You're listening to Can I Say That, a project created by Brenna Blaine in hopes of engaging culture as Christians in a post-Christian world. Here, we hope to ask the questions we sometimes ponder, but rarely have a chance to ask in the church. Jesus said, he is the way and the truth and the life. So we hope we can engage truth together and in extension, know the eternal life he offers. Hey, you guys, it's Brenna Blaine. Some of the most asked questions I get on social media always happen to be about parenting and sexuality. How do I talk to my kids about sexuality? How do I talk to my five-year-old who is in public school? How do I talk to my teen who might be experiencing same-sex attraction? What do I do? And oftentimes, my answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I am also in the same boat, even though I have a story that surrounds much of the topic of sexuality. I'm still new to parenting and I still get nervous when I think about these potential conversations and the needed conversations that I would like to have and have well as my kids get older. I also think about how do I talk to my kids at youth group about this. So whether you are a parent or you are someone who works in ministry and you work with parents or you work with youth, I believe today's episode will be very beneficial to you. And I'm going to make a little bit of a prediction. By the end of this episode, you are going to be saying, I need more information. I need more resources. And Amber, who is our guest today, has offered something really special just for those of you who listen to Can I Say That? So here it is. If you get to the end of this episode and you're thinking, I need to take one of these parenting courses, Amber is offering 20% off her parenting course if you use the code get this, Brenna B, okay, all caps, one word, B-R-E-N-N-A-B. I put a, I put a space between that, but there's no space, you know, just, just the way I'm talking. Anyways, if this podcast has blessed you, has encouraged you, or challenged you, I want to let you know something exciting, and maybe some of you already know if you follow me on social media. I am writing a book with the same name called Can I Say That? And while I don't want to give too much away, I will say this. In my experience of doing this podcast and walking with people, especially youth and young adults, through questions about faith and what does God care about, I've realized that a lot of people view their questions and doubts as an off-ramp from their faith. But when I look at the Bible and I look at my own life and the things I've walked through, I come to realize that these questions and these doubts actually unveil the character of God and give us a more clear picture of who he is. And so if that excites you or if you hear that description and you think of someone in your life who needs to know that God is with them through this journey, through this questioning, I would be so honored if you invited people to join me for this journey. And the easiest way to do that is number one, follow along on social media at bun on my head or you can just search Brenna Blaine B-L-A-I-N 
no e at the end or you can subscribe to this podcast and i will give you guys regular updates as we walk along this journey of writing something that's really dear to my heart which is those who feel they are on the fringes of christianity and have questions about god or faith but don't feel necessarily safe to step into that those who are in faith and trying to exit out wondering where will i land at the end of this and then people who want to walk with those who are questioning who have doubts and just need to know what is the best way I can support people who are searching for answers when it comes to God? All right, more on that later, but for now, I hope you enjoy this episode with Amber Carroll from Equip Ministry. Okay, so today we're talking about sexuality, the conversations that we're having with young people. And first, I want to start by asking you, Amber, why does this conversation matter? Why should Christians be well equipped to talk with young people about sexuality? That's a great question. Just about every kid is going to uh, one day experience sexual attraction, sexuality. So they need to know what sexuality is, how their attractions could show up, and what to do with those attractions. And None of our kids are exempt from needing to learn about God's wisdom for the whole of their sexual stewardship. And and that includes the way that we steward our sexuality. Um, The definition I like to give for sexual stewardship is wisely managing our need and capacity for intimacy and family. Uh, And that definition is going to fit for all kids, regardless of who they're attracted to. So. We need to talk about sexuality with kids because we will, and we already do, have kids in our churches who experience same-sex attraction. Um, Statistically, about 3.5% of U.S. adults identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual, but about 11% of U.S. adults experience some level of same-sex attraction. So that's, that's one in 10. Um, so it's really just just highly improbable that our children's ministries and our youth groups have zero kids who experience same-sex attraction. So, so this is not an out there or those people. Uh, this is our own kids that we're talking about. It's also really important for Christians to talk to young people about sexuality because it's really easy, too easy, for our kids who will one day experience opposite sex attraction to, to pick up on the disapproval that church culture has for gay people and become homophobic. And it's also too easy for our kids who will one day experience same sex attraction to pick up on that same disapproval and then apply that to themselves and either become engulfed in shame, uh, perhaps feel suicidal or struggle with depression or anxiety. Um, and in, in fact, out of all gay teens, it's gay teens from Christian homes that have the highest rate of um, attempting suicide. And just a quick note, um, I do use the word gay and gay Christian, but but all I mean when I use the word gay is boys who are attracted to boys or girls who are attracted to girls. Uh, and because of the way that the church often handles uh, the conversation around sexuality, it's usually one of three things. It's either complete silence or it's outright rejection and hostility, or it's... Um, We couldn't possibly talk about these things to our kids until like late high school. Uh, And so because of that, 
there's often a five-year gap between when a kid first realizes that they experience same-sex attraction and then when they tell a parent or pastor about those attractions. And that means there's, there's five years there that they're figuring this out on their own. They're alone with the lies of the enemy and with culture, and they're without the guidance of their parents and the pastors who love them. And so when we neglect to talk about sexual stewardship and especially about sexuality with our young kids, we're losing valuable years that we could have been speaking into their lives about God's good designs for stewarding our attractions. And then when teens don't tell parents about their attractions, either because they're fearful or they're ashamed, um, we're losing valuable years. We could have been helping them reject that shame and stop hiding and instead walk the path of God honoring sexual stewardship with faithfulness. And how kids make sense of their attractions often determines what path they're going to take. Um, In general, Christian youth who assume that their same-sex attractions are God-given and God-blessed, they often feel entitled to follow the script of our sex and romance-obsessed culture, and their theology will often veer into a more progressive space. Whereas Christians Uh, you know, Christian gay teens who see their attractions as a brokenness, as a temptation to sin, they uh, typically engage in same-sex sexual behavior significantly less often, uh, and they often will retain a historic sexual ethic. So I've become convinced that the lingering wounds of that five-year gap are the greatest barrier to gay or same-sex attracted Christians thriving according to that historic sexual ethic. Uh, Too many of them will spend a lifetime attempting to heal those wounds. So how do we how do we prevent those wounds? Well, we need to talk about God's love for sexual minorities and his wisdom for sexual stewardship including sexuality in age-appropriate ways all throughout childhood. Um, because when kids who will one day experience same-sex attraction know that God loves gay people and they're assured of their safety in their home and in their church well before they begin to experience attraction, they can be spared of some of that stress of, um, of coming out, of, of hiding. And they can begin developing deep friendships and pursuing a close relationship with God rather than losing five years of their lives hiding in shame and in fear. This episode is primarily for parents, but I know we have a lot of others listening as well. And something that we talk about at our own church working with youth is how can we partner with parents? So what would you say, Amber, what are conversations that should be reserved for parents only? And how can youth workers encourage kids to approach their parents with some of the questions that they might have surrounding the topic of sexuality? So Ephesians uh, 6.4 exhorts parents to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then um, Proverbs 22.6 tells parents to train up a child in the way that he should go. So teaching your kids about God's wisdom for sexual stewardship. That's not a job that God assigns to the youth minister or to church programming. Um, It's a job that he gives to parents. But often parents, they're just not sure how to have these conversations, especially with their young kids. Um, So how how can youth workers encourage kids to approach their parents with these questions? I think maybe a better question would be, how can youth workers be encouraging the parents of those kids to start initiating those conversations in their homes. 
So, so churches, I want to encourage you to equip your parents. <laughs> parents need to be confident that they can have these conversations in compassionate and theologically accurate ways. So, so help them deepen their own understanding, their own skills for communicating these truths to younger kids, um, and, because we want parents to be bringing up these conversations early and often. Um, obviously, it's probably best that, that kids ministers and youth pastors stay away from like exact descriptions of sexual intercourse or showing kids diagrams of the genitals and, you know, explaining the names of each body part, right? We probably, that needs to be left for the home. But it is super important for church leadership to do two things. One, to support parents in these discussions, plus the broader discussions of sexual stewardship by providing resources. That could be kids' books and parenting books in the church library. That could be free access to virtual trainings, that the church either pays for um, or maybe helps at least provide a scholarship for that could be hosting a weekend conference around these topics and then providing child care for it so that parents can attend. Um, that could be keeping an up-to-date list of recommended resources and maybe sending that out, uh, you know, once every three months and just, again, encouraging parents, hey, have these conversations. Here's some examples. And then two, to, to make it a point to talk about general sexual stewardship with all age groups. So what does that look like for, for little kids? Well, like in the toddler and pre-K classes, you're going to talk about family, talk about what does God say a family is. You're going to talk about friendship. How can we be good friends to others? And you're going to talk about the body of Christ um, and how to form relationships in the body of Christ. And then in elementary classes, you can talk about, make sure you're talking about committed Christian singleness as much as you're talking about Christian marriage, uh, reminding kids that both of those options are good. Uh, make it a point to talk about everyone's sexual stewardship. So avoid um, assuming that everyone's going to be straight, right? Um, point out that God's standards are the same for every Christian. There's not special rules for different groups of people. Um, talk about what intimacy needs are and how to get them met in healthy ways. Uh, encourage close friendships with brothers and sisters in Christ and encourage kids to see each other not as um, pseudo-romantic partners or some kind of potential, you know, date um, in the younger years, but but uh, but as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and then in classes for the the later elementary ages, you can start talking about God's love and God's wisdom for people who experience same-sex attraction and and who kids can safely go to if they are someone who experiences same-sex attraction. Encourage them, go to your parents, go to your pastors, um, and, and remind kids that God's wisdom and God's love don't change for us based on our attractions. When it comes to kids who are in public school, how should we view what they're being taught there versus what we as parents believe as Christians? And is public school really maybe this idea of being an enemy or are public schools just trying their best? How can we avoid confusion between the two worldviews that our kids are getting? So again, parents are the ones responsible for the spiritual formation of their kids, not schools, right? I, I would encourage parents never rely on any school or even church attendance to do the job of spiritual formation for you. We want to, we want churches to be a resource, uh, but ultimately, it's it's the parents' job. Um, and, and obviously, public schools are going to teach the values of culture. That's just that's just what they do. Um, so if you send your child to public school, but you do want to ensure that they're not picking up on culture's sexual ethic, you've got to be the one 
to teach your kids about God's wisdom for sexual stewardship. Uh, public schools are going to teach our kids a lot of things that don't align with God's wisdom. And so the best way to counteract those things um, is to speak frequently and openly about God's good design uh, and the way that following God's wisdom brings flourishing into our life. And I think, so So here's just one practical example of, the, of a way you could do that. I always try to be very intentional about differentiating between legal marriage and Christian marriage. They are different. And our society, we, we call everything marriage, and we've kind of lost the understanding of what Christian marriage is. And so we need to, we need to help our kids understand uh, Christian marriage, a marriage that's um, blessed and sustained by God, that's a calling between one Christian man and one Christian woman in a covenant relationship for life for the sake of the kingdom, to, to be open to children and to embody the gospel. Uh, but legal marriage is different. That's that's a legal contract between any two people that the law will allow to enter into that contract. And so when your kids wonder why, you know, why can't two men enter into a Christian marriage? Why can't two women help them to understand the purposes of Christian marriage, how, how Christian marriages embody the gospel and how Christian marriages are supposed to be pictures of the relationship uh, between Christ and the church. I want to play devil's advocate for a moment. I'm thinking about maybe parents who are listening, whose kids are not in public school, whose kids are homeschooled, and maybe they are pretty sheltered. What would you say to a parent who says, well, my child doesn't even know I would say two things. One, I would say that uh, your child could one day experience same-sex attraction themselves. And there's there's no formula that we know of that will prevent your child from experiencing same-sex attraction, right? We, we just don't know. Um, and one in 10, um, I, I wouldn't want to play those odds and just, just hope that my kid's in the 90% and avoid talking about it completely. I would rather be prepared and, and have my child be prepared that um, that they don't hide in fear or shame when they begin to experience those attractions because no one ever told them about them um, or only spoke in negative ways about same-sex attraction. So that's one thing. But two, unless your child is is literally by your side 24-7, they're going to be exposed to other kids when they go to Sunday school who do go to public school and who are going to say something to them. They're going to be on a soccer team and you're put on a team and the coach just happens to be a woman who's married to a woman and you didn't get to pick the coach, but now she's your coach. And so thing, you know, maybe they're at grandma's house and they're watching TV and there's a same sex couple that's in the cartoon program. There's just so many ways that our kids, you know, even driving, going, going to the mall, um, you know, there's Victoria's Secret right there. And driving down the interstate, there might be a billboard for something like an abortion clinic, or there's just so many ways that our kids are going to be exposed to a asexual ethic that is not godly and doesn't follow God's wisdom at all. And so um, unless your kids, unless you stay home and you never go anywhere and you never talk to anyone else, um, I think your kids, you're, I think sometimes we're surprised at what our kids end up being exposed to, even though we try to be really careful. And I, I, I think the question is not so much, um, we, we, can I just wait? I can just wait until they're 12. It's more like, well, who do you want them learning about these things from? And if the answer is you want them to learn about these things from you, 
then you need to be the one to introduce these things probably a little bit earlier maybe than, than we think. I was having a conversation with a friend who's talking about their kiddo saying, man, I, we're teaching them a biblical sexual ethic, but I'm so nervous because we want to have relationships with people who are obviously not Christian. And I'm nervous that they're going to say something off-putting to someone who is not a Christian about sexual ethics. So throughout these conversations, how can we explain a biblical perspective without making people seem like the quote unquote other? What are some examples of how we can steward these conversations and be caring and charitable with our language, but also make sure that our kids know what we believe? I think the key there is to look at Jesus. And when we look at Jesus and we we look at his interactions with people who sinned sexually or who did not hold a sexual ethic, uh, the same sexual ethic as he did, um, he did not condemn them in order to teach others about a godly and wise sexual ethic or about sexual stewardship. And so we want to teach our kids to love and honor and see the image of God in all people while also teaching them God's best plans for all people. Um, and those, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. There's lots of things that we are going to teach our families that the world or, or even other believers are going to disagree with. Um, but I don't think disagreement has to equal hate or oppression or harm. So I don't think we need to fear speaking up about what the Bible has to say about sexual ethics to our kids, even while we're showing radical love and compassion to those who don't follow that same ethic. Um, I think I think there are a couple of things that, that can be helpful. One can be um, differentiating between sin and brokenness. So sin, you know, is, is willfully disobeying God's commands. But then brokenness is what happened when Adam and Eve first sinned. Uh, I love the way the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it. it. Says everything came undone and unraveled and went wrong, and that's that's when brokenness, it, sin broke everything, and we're all affected by that brokenness, uh, spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally. But but we didn't willfully choose to have that brokenness. So so being attracted to people of the same sex is a brokenness. Um, at creation, God did not intend for people to be attracted to people of the same sex. But merely experiencing same-sex attraction isn't a willful sin that someone chose. Uh, none of us choose who we're attracted to. So we want to remind kids, hey, we're all broken in our sexuality. None of us experiences sexuality exactly the way God intended at creation. But he has given us his word and the church so that we can know the best ways to steward our sexuality, even in the midst of that brokenness. And, and it's also helpful, I think, to get rid of some uh, assumptions. So, um, you know, if three and a half percent of people eventually identify as LGB or if 11 percent of people experience some degree of same-sex attraction, um, the vast majority of people do get married. Some don't, about 8 percent, although that's trending upward, uh, don't get married. Um, and so if we if we assume that our kids are straight and will get married and, and our assumptions are coloring the way that we talk about things like sexuality, marriage, sex, uh, singleness, um, I think that can alienate our kids who will one day experience same-sex attraction. And it can also alienate our kids who 
um, will will not get married for for whatever reason that they don't get married. So small changes in our language could actually be really helpful. So instead of saying something like, son, one day you'll be attracted to a pretty girl, we might instead say, you might begin to notice that other people are attractive to you. And while most kids your age are attracted to the opposite sex, that's not true of everyone. Some people are attracted to to the same sex. Um, And then instead of saying, when you get married, you, you could say, if God calls you, to be in a Christian marriage. Um, And instead of praying for your child's um, opposite sex, future spouse, (laughs) you can instead just pray that God would follow God's, that your child would follow God's wisdom wherever that leads them. Uh, Pray that they submit joyfully to whatever relational vocation God calls them into, whether that's, you know, lifetime Christian singleness or a lifetime Christian marriage. Um, So those are things you can do intentionally in your home. But then there's going to be other times when uh, you need to react, when culture kind of springs its values on your child and you want to respond. Um, so let's say, let's use the cartoons, for example. Your, your kid's watching cartoons. Um, uh, a wedding is in the cartoon and you notice it's two animal characters, but they're both wearing tuxes and they both have male character names. Pretty clear this is a same-sex wedding. Uh, what do you do with that? What do you say? Um, I think you could say, you know, without without being condemning, but also clearly conveying your own, you know, values and and, and that historic sexual ethic. I think you could say something like, hey, I, I noticed that there were two boys getting married in this cartoon. You know, we, we've talked before about how God's best plans for Christian marriage mean that it's permanent and that it's between one man and one woman because God wants to show everyone a picture through marriages of the way that Jesus loves his church. But we also know, you know, the world is broken and not everyone chooses to follow God's design for Christian marriage. But God's best for the people in his family is that men marry women and women marry men. Same kind of thing if your child notices maybe, um, maybe you do have that soccer coach that is married to their same-sex partner, and your, your kid kind of notices that. How can you, you know, react to something like that? Um, I do think this is a great time to explain what the word gay means um, if, you, if your kid doesn't know that already. Uh, and again, just like I said in, earlier, when we use the word gay, we mean boys who are attracted to boys, girls who are attracted to girls. They're going to hear that word out in culture, so it'd be better for you to explain what it means. Um, and, then, and then remind kids, hey, you know, gay is just one aspect of who gay people are. Um, being same-sex attracted is only is only part of who that person is. Um, there's no one way that all gay people act. In fact, um, you know some gay people, or you know some people who experience same-sex attraction. And this is a great place to like name drop people who you know who experience same-sex attraction, but who are stewarding their sexualities according to that historic sexual ethic, um, so that your kids uh, don't automatically couple gay or same-sex attracted with, well, it must mean that we must go out and have a same-sex partner or be in a same-sex romance. It's a great way to start uh, uncoupling that. Uh, And then, you know, again, that's also helping your kid understand, well, gay people are not dirty, bad, gross, disgusting, because we don't want them to apply that to themselves if they do happen to one day experience a same-sex attraction. And then, you know, so your coach, Coach Sarah is is gay, or whatever term she uses, and she chose to marry Miss Grace. And while we believe that the Bible teaches us that Christian marriage is only for one man and one woman, we, we love our coach, and we're going to honor her when we see her. Um, and so again, we, we don't have to condemn the coach 
but we do want to say it's just we're in God's family and this is how we 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 this is what we believe in God's family. Amber, I'm listening to everything you're saying and as a parent, I'm like I have just I've needed I've needed this wisdom. I've needed to hear this. I've needed to ask these questions. I imagine so many other people who are listening are are feeling the same. So before we end and I'd love to if we're able to organize it this way, I want to ask you about some resources but are you able to give us those resources, maybe in order of age? So what would be a good, what are some resources for us who have kids who are two, three, four years old, and then the next stage of life and the next stage of life? Yeah. So I have actually curated an entire resource guide. It's got over 65 recommended resources for both kids and parents. Um, and it's broken down topically, and there's also recommended age groups listed by each resource. Um, so I'm happy to send that to anybody who wants it. You just, all you got to do is email me, amber at equipyourcommunity.org. I'm, I'm very happy to give you access to that. Um, lots of different topics uh, that I've found resources for, things like pornography, same-sex attraction, romance idolatry, gender, singleness, just all of those sorts of topics. Um, and then I um, primarily, my job is writing and speaking to parents and um, of younger kids. And so my primary audience, audience is parents of kids ages 2 to 12. So I've written uh, 14 uh, different uh, parent conversation starters is what we've called them. And they include um, examples for conversation scripts that are broken down by age group. Those are on our blog. They're all free. Um, and I would be happy for, um, if you want to include a link, um, I'm happy to send that to you. But those are great. They, they cover things like homophobia, same-sex marriage, shame, singleness, those sorts of things. Um, and then the other thing that um, I think is really helpful for parents, uh, because sometimes we, we parents, we have a lot of fears surrounding these conversations. We're not too sure, um, like you said, exactly how to communicate what we want to say, but in an age appropriate and also compassionate and also theologically accurate way. Um, and so I actually um, spent a year and a half writing a parent course just for parents like you and I who have younger children who want to make sure we're starting these conversations, but who also really want to get it right. Um, so it's a, it's a six week parent course. It's got over 30 scripts you get access to. Um, it's a six session course. And uh, we answer questions like, how has God made us for intimacy in the context of family? What are God's good designs for vocational singleness or, or committed singleness and for Christian marriage? And how can parents have proactive conversations about sexual stewardship for all people? And then how can parents respond to the cultural elements surrounding sexual stewardship like teen pregnancy and kids media and gay marriage and pornography? And then how can parents share God's love and wisdom for gay people? And then uh, week six is what are God's good designs for gender and biological sex? So that can be a great resource. Equipyourcommunity.org forward slash parent course. You can see a free preview there of, um, of, that, of that course. And then I also um, do a lot of book reviews and share conversation scripts and things like that on my social media channels. I'm happy for you guys to follow me on those. And just, um, I, I just recently did three book reviews. <laughs> so, um, and they're all kids books for younger kids. Um, but Amber Garrett Carroll is my name on, on all my social media channels, Facebook and Instagram. 
Well, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the conversation. Brennan and I hope you found it both helpful and relevant. If you have any questions or thoughts, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at Can I Say That Show. We almost always use Instagram stories to ask questions pertaining to the next episode leading up to the recording. So keep a lookout for such in case you have any burdening questions on that topic and for the opportunity to potentially have your questions asked. Either way, thanks again for listening. And as Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, test everything, hold fast what is true.